Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast. This podcast is where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. And I'm Liv. Okay, and- Shan. <laughs> okay. Why do you have to talk over me? I'm I mean, ruining my intro. I've got my bit. I'm Leanne Levis, I'm Rashan, aka Shan, and I'm Liv. <laughs> you can join us every week for discussions about relationships, race, beauty, careers, travel, and so much more. So this week, we are covering our Dope Black playlist. This is actually really exciting because I feel like all three of us are big music heads. Mm. But basically, we're talking about the songs that empower us most and also we'll introduce the topic of hip-hop feminism. What it is, whether there is such a thing as hip-hop feminism and how female MCs are owning and reclaiming the narrative. So just to set some context around this, I feel like music is such a prominent part of black culture generally like it's literally embedded in every single part of our culture whether we're talking about going to a wedding or a funeral actually and hearing candy and all of us getting up and dancing or whether you're going to Notting Hill Carnival and hearing Spice or whether you're watching your parents slow dance to like Nat King Cole or Whitney maybe get a little one wine in the middle of it all of them So yeah, I feel like music is this universal tool that's very important to black culture, but it really brings people together generally. So I think for the start, I would really be interested in hearing what everybody's songs choice are. So we put together our Dope Black playlist in this way. The first song is going to be the one that makes us feel most empowered. The second one is going to be a song that represents a significant moment in our life. And then the third song is going to be the wild card. So songs that people would be surprised that we love. So let's kick things off with the song that makes you feel most empowered. So a song that empowers me, I have chosen Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott. Ooh. Get your freak on. Get your freak on. Get your freak on. Hey. Hold up. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Silence when I spit it, it out. Hey. In, In your, your face. face. <laughs> so, um... I knew I wanted to pick a Missy Elliott song because I love, love, love Missy Elliott. I think she is such an icon and such a dope black woman because she paved the way for so many black female rappers. Like, she's very fun. Her music videos are very fun. Like, she doesn't take herself too seriously. She doesn't take her music too seriously. Um, Obviously, she is a big woman and... She was sexy, but she wasn't over-sexualized. Mm. Like, she could do a music video where she's like, you know, my ass boxing. is fat mm. and I'm looking good. And another music video where she's in just like a baggy t-shirt. Yeah. And I feel like, even though I'm not a big woman, I looked at her and I was like, rah, like, she's just like a normal person. Like, she, she kind of embodied this real sense of confidence and this real sense of ownership and just having fun with music. And like, I'm a big fan of hers. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting, actually, because when I think about her, I also think about the fact that she was probably one of the few women in her time period. Like she was always surrounded by men, whether Mm -hmm. it's Timbaland or Magoo or anybody else. And then she's also juxtaposed beside Aaliyah, Mm. but still managed to hold her own, you know, as a dark skinned, fuller, voluptuous woman and was dope at it. Like the fact that she can sing and rap. For me, she was a real trailblazer, not just in her music, but also in her music videos, like the artistry, like she was making music videos where, you know, she'd have bumblebees on her face and like the bright lipsticks, like blue and like dark purples mm. and dark black lipsticks. And then other music videos where she was wearing like tracksuits and everyone in the music video, all women are wearing tracksuits. And then other music videos where she's literally wearing like a plastic bag, like this huge plastic bag. I just felt like she had a lot of fun in her music and she spoke to women who, regardless of what you were wearing, just wanted to have fun and feel sexy too. Even yeah. that video, the video that for the song that you're talking about, Get You Freak On, the way yeah. she rewinds everything yeah. and the spit coming back into her yeah, mouth. It's just and, fun. Yeah. An iconic video. It's, so, it's yeah. just fun. And I feel like when that song comes on, I just feel like... I just feel like I'm that bitch. Like, I, just, I just feel like I'm that bitch. Like, I'm ready to go out and have a good time. I'm ready to, like, kill shit at work. I'm ready to, like, just walk down the street and own it. So my song is a little bit controversial, maybe. And please don't cuss me. 
So my song is Vibes Cartel, Ever Bliss. So for me, I feel like dance hall has allowed me to become comfortable in my own sexuality. Mm. Mm. And Vibes Cartel is a big part of that. Not only because he's brought forth dope black dancehall artists like Spice and like Shensio and um, other Gaza girls or whatever, Gaza Kim, etc., etc. But he's basically, he was the first person, you know, in Jamaica, it's a really big deal. Like giving head is a taboo thing, both mm. for men and women. Mm. So if you're seeing, really? yeah, so women who give head back in the day are like not, seen as ladies or mm. women or seen as whores and stuff. I even feel like that well, for me anyway growing up in school that's what it was like. Yeah. So like if you gave head in school you was called a Jezebel or a J-bag like you couldn't be saying you gave head are you mad? Exactly. I didn't get paid until I was like 20. Really? Yeah. No, yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't it was a big that, thing. It wasn't, Wait. it wasn't because of that it was more because of like in my head it was like I had that like, really bad OCD and in my head it was like <laughs> And it was like, the we comes from there. We, we. And then I, was in a, then I was in a relationship with my my boyfriend at the time. And it was like, okay, let's just try this silly thing. No, for me too. I was a really and now late. she loves it. I mean. <laughs> I was a really late bloomer in that sense. And even growing up, like, I don't know if I ever grew up, like, feeling sexy. Mm. You know, I always felt like the nerdy girl or the goody two shoes. And so listening to Cartel and actually falling in love with Cartel's music made me comfortable with my sexuality. And actually in this song, he says, you pussy coming like Bible, when you when your legs open up, I say heaven, you panani bless my angel. Oh, I know that song. Yeah, and then yeah. he says, never ever afraid of the AIDS test. <laughs> <laughs> but he's basically saying like woman, and I know it's, there's a biblical reference and that's problematic in a lot of ways, but I feel like he's basically using the best metaphor or simile that he can and saying women are beautiful in mm. their natural form. Mm. He's like, I, in the song, he also says, you know, if you bring forth a boy or a girl, it doesn't matter, which also touches on the whole stereotype of whether boy boys are more important in terms of, or girls are more important. Like, you know, everybody wants a youth. That's a big mm. thing in Jamaica. I don't mm. want no girl pick me. I want a boy if I carry on my name and blah, blah, blah. But he's very much in that sense of... Um, you know, I love women. I love, you know, it doesn't matter. And, you know, women are the most beautiful thing on earth and, you know, really allows women to embrace their sexuality. He was one of the first artists to really make it okay for women to give head and for it to be seen as something that was empowering rather than something that was something we should be afraid Dang. of or ashamed yeah. of, you know. And with that, I guess, like, I definitely think I kind of get on the play on words and the, like the metaphors and creativity around linking it to the Bible. But like, are you religious? Like, what do you think? <laughs> well, so for me, I was raised religious, but I wouldn't call myself a practicing Christian. Mm. And I definitely get the perspective where people don't like when there's comparisons made between the Bible or, you know, things that are religious related, mm. religion related. Mm. But for me also, A, this happens in hip hop all the time. Mm. Jay-Z refers to himself as Hova. You know, people, rappers, male rappers specifically make themselves or compare themselves to God all the time. Hmm, we just got a whole album about that. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus is King deserves a whole separate, like, a whole separate podcast. podcast. Yeah. But for me, I think that is that conversation is rooted in the idea that sex is somehow not religious or not biblical or not something that is beautiful and should mm. be discussed within a religious context and i don't that i don't agree with like i yeah. think sex is a really important part of of religion any religion that you're talking about and that context or that song can still lie within the context of marriage mm. you know what i mean it doesn't yeah. have to be taken as a song that's promoting fornication because he's just talking about his love for the female body no. I think it's also interesting that, like, because I don't listen to that much dancehall, like, I'll know the big songs mm. when they come on in a rave, whatever, but, like, it's not a music I feel particularly attached to. But I think it's interesting, your take on it, and especially Vibes Cartel, because I think the stereotype is, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, pum pum. Yeah, you know, let me get behind <laughs> you and wind you. And that's it. Like, and it's nothing deeper than that so I think it's interesting what you're saying about how some of this music is very political talks about race talks about marriage and love because I think there's quite an unfair stereotype attached to 
Dance hall. And I think that's a wider political reflection of like black people and of Jamaican mm-hmm. people and like mm. this whole thing of like, oh, you're yardy and you've got no respect and you're just like this, that and the other. And mm. obviously you listen to music that is this, that and the other. So like for you, Leanne, coming from like that culture and that music and now dance hall is quite mainstream. Do you feel like people appreciate enough beyond just the like, Ah, yeah, pom pom. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you think people really appreciate how diverse of a genre of music it is? You know what? That's an interesting question. And I don't know that they do. I think the sexuality has become more acceptable. So, whereas, you know, growing up, growing up for me, a wine is just a wine. You know what I mean? Like, I can dance with my brethren in the club and it doesn't have to mean anything. Mm. But for somebody... You when I in London, it'd be like... It's like, oh, so we're going Ooh. home tonight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Not, just get me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's becoming more normalised. But I think it's interesting. It's kind of like the chicken or the egg argument. So people always say, oh, dance hall is just limited to sexuality and it's very demoralizing to women, et cetera, et cetera. But people like Vibes Cartel, as much as he has this song, which is very much focused on sexuality, there's another song that he has called Thank You Ja, which basically talks about the plight of the black woman and is like, Mm. look, politicians, what are you doing for the black woman's future? And big up to the woman that fights it alone and raise two, three picnic on their own. Like, that's a that's a song of like, Vibes Cartel, but it doesn't get played on the radio because mm. that's not what people want to hear, right? Mm. People want to hear the slackness. People want to hear the nastiness. People want to hear, whether it's dance hall or anything else or hip hop, like, when you think about the most popular songs that are, like, My Neck, My, my Back, back lit my, my Pussy and, and My Crack. crack. Same Ow. pussy, guys. <laughs> yeah. It with your heart. Like... <laughs> Everybody loves that song, but it's nasty and it's actually not lyrically that great. Like it's not innovative in any way, shape or form. But so I think it's more what people want to hear rather than what is available to you. When you go to same using that popcorn song as an example on that same album, he has a song called Strong Woman, where he talks about the power of black women and how strong they are and how much they persevere. But again, it's not a single on the album because that's not what people want to hear. They want to hear the slackness. So I think it's the sexuality is becoming more acceptable, but I don't think the plethora or the wide spectrum of views that are represented in dancehall are being picked up on or being given acknowledgement. Jan, what's your song? My song is Cardi B Bodak Yellow because when the song comes up on a rave... The rave could be dead. I'll get up. I'll go to the <laughs> middle. I have confidence like nobody's business. And I'll do all the words, bar for bar. I don't even dance with my friends. More time I get up, walk away from them. I've got to find someone else to share this experience with because I just love the song. And I picked out a few lives that I just wanted to share. So <clears throat> she says, I don't dance. I make money moves. Now, with that, she's obviously referring to... <laughs> Her previous um, job of when she used to be a stripper and like dance on the pole. And I think that actually, as much as we're not, we might not have all been strippers, we can actually relate to maybe doing jobs we didn't like and now being in jobs that we love. So I'm in a job now that I currently love, but I can remember when I worked in Iceland, for example, and I absolutely hated it. Do you get what I mean? So like even like the even though she's referring to her personal story, you can kind of look at that in terms of your own come up as a black woman. And then there's another one where she talks about got a bag, fixed my teeth. And I just feel like she's talking about women's insecurities, but she's owning mm. it. So like you might, I grew up with a big forehead. So I, I owned it at school. Like, yeah, I've got a big forehead. I'm what? Now no one can't laugh at me. Some I people grow up. I have a big forehead. I'm just putting that I feel, out like, I feel like I've grown into it now. I feel like my head's grown. You know? <laughs> Maybe I sticked my head too much in the hair. I was going back then. And I don't know what was going on. But do you know what I mean? The point of the matter is like, she in this song, she owns her insecurities. And like, now, after that, since that song, we've seen a big shift in Cardi B, and now she's just owning everything that she is. Whereas before that, she was still being a bit timid. She wasn't the same, like, she didn't have the same vim that she has now, like, in interviews. So, anyway, yeah, basically. You know what? I think you might have song. just made me like that song because I really did when it first came out. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you crazy? I why, think, why didn't you like it? Well, I think it was more about Cardi B. So, I started watching Cardi B on Love and Hip Hop as we've established I watch a lot of trashy TV mm. and I hated her on Love and Hip Hop I'm like Jano right. this B is so obnoxious she's always getting in fights with people mm. and I love her now but 
when that song came out, I think I was just being bad man. I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't really watch TV, you know. So I don't okay, really watch yeah. TV. I've only that's like I didn't even know about her at all. I just heard that song and was like, "So little bitch, you can fly." Hey, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was me of that song. So where do you guys stand on the whole controversy around her? I'm trying to get this right because I don't want to be sued. <laughs> but she definitely admitted to like drugging men in strip uh, clubs and right. saying that like it's obviously something she regrets but like she was in a really bad financial situation and that's like the hottest movie yeah like I think so that's a real story yeah like I don't know if it was a direct inspiration but like her coming out with her story got her a role in yeah. that film oh, okay. oh did it yeah okay I read that so you're saying what do we think about the fact that she used to drug men and take their money yeah because like obviously when that came out a lot of people were like oh my god if this was the other way around he would be cancelled for life you would no one would like want to hear from this male artist again I I think it's hard because I hear that but that's the same with a lot of stuff Mm. and I think for me it's more like I'm, I'm looking at like maybe complete surface value rather than going deep and it's like she did something illegal or wrong to make money and I can't tell you what her struggle was like at the time for why she needed to go to those sort of lengths to say whether it was right or wrong it's like if someone's homeless right now outside and there's loads of people homeless and it's cold and they go into French Connection and rub a a warm jacket I'm not going to be like oh my gosh he's a thief because he's cold and that's a method of survival Mm. so that's how I'm looking at it from face value but then I also understand that on a deeper level if it was a guy and it was the other way around that it'd be looked at as much a, a more of a deeper thing. In the I, same way that in clubs, if it, I used to do this a lot and I don't anymore, but I used to always touch guys' bums. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> and then the Me Too movement went. And when people started flipping the script about how it feels to be a guy in those scenarios, I completely stopped. Because mm. when a guy does that to me, I don't find it funny and I'll knock you out. Do you get it? Mm. So it was like, when I saw the Me Too movement, it made me look at it differently. So I think... I can get how, with that scenario, people can be like, if it was the other way around, it'd be problematic. I don't know if it would be problematic, though. And here's the thing. I definitely agree that her behavior was wrong, as she herself has acknowledged, right? But I think we have this tendency to put people in a box that they can't get out of. So it's either we're demonizing and villainizing someone or they're this idealistic hero. Half of the male black heroes or popular artists that we've identified going back from Tupac to Biggie or R. Kelly. It's only now that we're holding R. Kelly accountable. In Biggie's song, Dead Wrong, he says, I like him young, fresh and green. Know what I mean? Like he's talking about having sex with underage girls. And that Mm. song is one of the biggest songs of of his career. You Mm. know what I mean? Posthumously, but still. Tupac went from talking about women very in a very derogatory manner and that being celebrated and you know it was okay to then being more conscious and aware as his as he went along on his journey and I feel like the same should be applied to Cardi B like she's acknowledging that she didn't have to bring it up nobody told her that she had to talk about it but she's talking about something in her past she's acknowledged that it was wrong and saying that moving forward she's on a different tip and a different agenda and I think that's quite admirable in the same way that if we're talking about or if we're comparing R. Kelly who's been doing this for years and have and talking about it in his songs which are also really celebrated agent nothing but a number yeah, yeah he wrote it and he has other songs where he's talked about he had you an know, album called Pie Piper like Child. there we go <laughs> it was in our faces and even now that he's being held accountable he's defending it he just came out with like a 13 minute song and basically was just like yeah if I did it then this is why I did it I can't help myself I young I like young girls god mm. god help me you know kind of thing and so I think there's real the fact that she's being accountable makes the difference and that's why I think it's admirable that she's talking about it because mm. it's not something she's trying to defend or justify or in any way. yeah exactly i also feel like um people have a lot of um subconscious like patriotic views mm. that they're not willing to admit mm. so like with the Car- cardi b example what she said is like i did this thing that is wrong and illegal but i did it for the purposes of looking after myself and knowing i was in a really bad scenario and you know, I, re- I I know it was wrong, but I needed the money. And I haven't personally seen a male example of that. Yeah. So then people are like, oh, but we'll let R. Kelly go. And we'll let R. Kelly be cancelled. And I'm like, the fact that you even are willing to compare a young woman who needed money in a dire situation with a man 
who is in a position of power that's yeah. in charge of young women just Multiple speaks. Multiple young women. Just speaks Many. volumes <laughs> that like people don't realise they're so willing to throw women under the bus, mm-hmm. especially black women. Like they, a lot of people f- put their foot in their mouth without realising it mm. because those two situations are not comparable. But people compare them because they're like, well, there isn't, there isn't a male example. Not mm. really. Because there are very few men that hold themselves accountable in that way. I feel like that's definitely going to be explored as we go on throughout this podcast because it's a large topic. So guys, the next one is what song represents a significant moment in your life and how do you feel when you hear the song now? I picked a happy song. Good. (laughs) (laughs) I picked a song which reminds me of my mum, which reminds me of family parties, which reminds me of like all the strong women I know. And it is Shaka Khan, I'm Every Woman. Oh, that is a banger. When I again, that's a big tune. You mean I'm not good with names though? I'm Every Woman. It's all in me. Anything you want done, baby. What the hell did she say? What did she say then? Anything you want done, baby. Oh, it's actually quite clear. I do it naturally. (laughs) Oh, oh. Like, you can't listen to that song and not be happy. It's true. It's just like, I could be having a really shit day in a really bad mood and I'll listen to that song and I'll be like, do you know what? Like, I got this. Yes, baby. And like, my mom got this. And we all got this. And like, my Annie got this. And like, like, we all got (laughs) this. this. (laughs) So, yeah, I think it's important to have those songs in your life that remind you of family that remind you of the strength of like black women so yeah that's my song that's dope mm. I love that song and it's yeah. I feel like that era of music is quite consistent right because then you're talking about R-E-S-P-E-C-T like those I just start learning lyrics I was just gonna say that was all mumbling all the way through until the shock to me but so my song is Kanye West, Hey Ma. Um, and that's because I think maybe Shan knows this, but Liv doesn't know this, but both of my parents have passed. Mm. While I was taking care of them, I made playlists for both of them. But my dad's playlist, he didn't actually get to listen to. And it was like Anita Baker, because that was one of his favorite things. But my mom, I made the playlist before she was like, you know, gravely ill and when she could still be coherent. And obviously all the other songs were like old school songs like Elvis and Anita and Nino. Mm -hmm. But this song I put in because it really does make me think about like everything that he says in the song makes me think about my mom and like the sacrifices that she had to make in order to give us everything that we wanted or everything that we needed and my mom is not a hip-hop fan but when she heard this song she immediately called me and was just like I love this song who is this guy like and she loved it so much so we used to play it all the time a lot more so than any other song that was on the playlist and so now when I hear it it I can't actually hear it without sobbing, mm. but like every time I hear it, it makes me think about her. And when it, she ma- he makes the comparisons to like Nikki Giovanni, who's one of my favorite poets, mm. and Maya Angelou, I'm just like, that makes me think about my mom because mm. she was such a strong woman. And it makes me think about the fact that she used to get up at 4 a.m., cook, clean, go to work, come back, do homework with us, cook dinner put us to bed wake up again you know what i mean literally mm. it was just like a full-time job yeah so that's my choice that is beautiful yeah. and it is a beautiful song the version that he actually put on the album you can hear him cracking up like as he's play as he's uh, recording the song because yeah. it was very emotional and there's actually a video where he's singing it to his mom and his mom singing it back to him oh. so yeah it's like a really you can that video, yeah. it's on both, youtube they're literally both on the bathroom floor yeah which is a line in the song as well yeah and it talks about how he's going back to school and for me when i started doing my phd it was a big deal and in a lot of ways, it made me the black sheep of my family because everybody else in my family had like proper careers. Like my sister's a teacher and my brother's a, a lawyer and everybody in my family went down like this very traditional route. Mm. So when I told them, I was like, oh, I'm going to go study human rights and restorative justice. They were like, what? <laughs> what are you doing with your life? What do you want to become? I was like, I'm going to become an ethicist. And they were like, what does that even mean? So for me, that song, but she supported me anyway, mm. you know, and it's she's the reason that I don't have student loans. And, I, she, you know, she's the reason that I'm even here, that I was able to come here just financially. So, yeah, that's why I picked that song. That's it. She I sounds hope you're, amazing. She was. I hope um, your song is happier than mine, Shan. <laughs> yeah, mine's happier. 
So my song is Donnie McClurkin, We Fall Down, We Get Up. When I was younger, I was at church and all the service and I can't remember what the person was preaching about but it really stuck out to me and I remember like crying throughout the service and my auntie looking at me like why is she crying because I just about went to church like it was mad and then the guy who did the sermon then started singing we fall down but we get up and it's really really simple and part of the lyrics is like we fall down but we get up for a saint is just a sinner who fell down but got up and it made me feel really empowered even though that's not my empowerment song and it made me really think like because I think with religion, it's hard because when you're, even like now, not even just when you're young, but you're told, or it's, you're made to believe, I guess, society makes you believe that a Christian looks one way or looks that way. So if you think a Christian is this like perfect person and then you're 14 and you swear or you're rude to your mum or you do like whatever, you might have had sex or you've done whatever these things are that seem like not the perfect Christian, you just like beat yourself up. And actually that's not what faith is all about. So when I heard mm-hmm. that song th- saying... For a saint is just a sinner who fell down. It made me just feel like I could be a Christian and I could call myself that. And I could actually be open to the idea of having a relationship with God. And before that, I was against it because it was like, I like listen to secular music. So how can I be a Christian? And so because of like little things like that, I didn't even really listen in church. I'd always be on my phone. Whereas now I'll be at work and watching sermons because my relationship with God's completely shifted. That's so beautiful. A saint is a sinner. Who fell down but got up? That's amazing. That actually, the song is literally like just that. And it's amazing because <laughs> I do feel like religion <laughs> can be quite isolating sometimes, right? And mm. you do feel like sometimes on the outside of it, you don't know where you stand, especially if you're not like a, an avid churchgoer or yeah. you don't adhere to some of the rules that you know are involved. But I think that song goes beyond religion. I think that's true of anybody like you know the word saint transcends just religion and it's like you can be a good person even though you falter along the way Mm -hmm. and that even though we're all in different points in our journey that doesn't make us inherently evil or inherently bad or Mm. unlovable in any way shape or form and then lastly what song do you absolutely love that's like a bit of a wild card that people wouldn't expect you to be a fan of I'm a big Eminem fan. Really? Yeah. That is surprising, actually. Yeah, I'm a big Eminem fan. Like, I love him. And I think a lot of people might find this surprising because I'm such a feminist. Like, I'm such like a mm. black feminist. And a lot of his lyrics are very problematic. I think that he weirdly has similarities with Missy Elliott. Mm. Like, what I found in, like, the early 2000s, they were both making songs, which was just like having fun and like being stupid and silly like in his music videos there's a lot of like role players sort of dress up like he would like dress up as like superman and the next scene he's like dressed up as a nurse and then the next scene he's dressed up as an old man like Mm. he would always have fun in his music videos but like lyrically i think he's very very talented oh for sure sick rapper Mm. and i think that what i've learned is like i can i can love his music And, like, also, it's this weird, like, parallel that happens with a lot of, like, liberal stuff where, like, they'll be so outspoken and make such fun of it, but they don't actually believe those things. Like, Family Guy. Mm. Like, Family Guy always does things which is very problematic to do with, like, race or religion, whatever. But actually, the people that make it are the, like, most liberal leftist people going. And they're actually taking the piss out of people who would take it too seriously. Yeah, it's kind of this thing of, like... I'm not just taking the piss out of like you. I'm taking the piss out of everyone. Like everyone's up for grabs, and like that's what makes it kind of funny. Mm. So like, yeah, Eminem. But the song that I particularly love is "Sing for the Moment." Oh yeah, "Sing for the Moment" is a sick song. Like, there's this verse in it which is just like so lyrically great, and like I need to get the lyrics up because I'm <laughs> out here like, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> um, no, I do love that song. Um, and it's a very yes. like, I mean, I'm a big Eminem fan generally anyway. And Are for you? that same reason, yeah, because I do feel like a lot of the things that people chastise him for are actually things that he's making satirical commentary on. Yeah. You know, like he's not actually saying he wants to kill his wife, but he's saying, you know, he's being honest about sharing his feelings of anger towards his mom or towards his sister or towards whoever really and actually he's one of the few rappers that I think does hold himself accountable in Mm. 
when he does mess up. So yeah, Yellow Brick Road, I don't know if you know that song. But Yellow Brick Road is in response to him using the N-word in one of his like old, old raps. Like mm. when he was freestyling or yeah, in a battle like rap a or something. Yeah, yeah. Ages and ages ago. Yeah, yeah. And then he came back and made, at least he spoke about it. I'm not sure if the apology or the explanation he gave was sufficient. But at least he was open to being accountable for the fact that he said the word. And so I don't. I don't know if I know what Sing for the Moment is really about, other than just like seizing the day, right? Yeah, so like the third verse, he says, and like for me, this is like almost like poetry. So he says, that's why we sing for these kids who don't have a thing except for a dream and a fucking rap magazine who post pin-up pictures on their wall all day long, idolise their favourite rappers and know all their songs, or for anyone who's ever been through shit in their lives till they sit and they cry at night wishing they die. So they throw on a rap record and they sit and they vibe. We're nothing to you but we're the shit in their eyes. That's why we seize the moment, try and freeze it, own it, squeeze in, own it, till we consider these moments golden. That's why maybe they'll admit when we're gone, just let our spirits live on through the lyrics that you hear in our songs. That is really beautiful, actually. Yeah. So it's kind of about how the song is more generally about like rappers in general and how they're seen as just like thugs and hoodlums. But to a lot of young kids, especially kids who grow up in not the greatest atmospheres, it's like they'll go home and they'll put on a rap CD and it's like suddenly they're the shit. And no one can touch them. Yeah. And they're just like untouchable. And so it's kind of like how the media will make rappers and hip hop artists look like villains mm. when actually they're speaking to like, it's like if you think that, then you're not the audience I'm aiming for. Like I'm speaking for the guy who sits in his room and has like a Biggie poster and is like, one day I'm going to be Biggie. Yeah. So it's like that's what the song's about. So I just think it's a great song. And I think he is a great artist. Um, so yeah, that's I'm, my guilty pleasure. I'm interested to hear what Shan's guilty pleasure is, actually. <laughs> so the song that I think that I think that people are being surprised about, not Liv's because I told her the other day, but that would be High School Musical. Like any what? song from like nah, any High album. Lit. Like, <laughs> lit. Like, what musical? High school musical? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I do I have no concept you have to like. It's like a Disney Channel um show that had like a sequel to it. It was number one, number two, number three. Uh-huh. It's basically like a love story set in a high school and they sing throughout the show. But it's just lit, man. <laughs> and it's just like such feel good vibes. And I normally play it when I'm doing like a long drive home from like Birmingham or like you when I'm on like a motorway drive. Anyway, that's different than who we are. Creating space between us. Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah. for the record, our producer Leanne is also jamming. So I'm clearly the only yeah, one in the room I that know. doesn't know about this. Yeah, it's just super cheesy, super like it. But I think for me it reminds me of like a really happy play. So like I've got like three sip I've got how many symptoms have I got? Mad. I've got four siblings. <laughs> no, I've got four. But growing up, it was just me and my brother. Okay. So it was only my mum and me and my brother for like a lot of my life growing up. And like that unit was like a powerhouse. It was literally like that. That's all we. That's all I felt like I ever needed. And even like sometimes I'm like, mum, let's go on holiday. Just me, you, and brother. Because like that. Ta- <laughs> no, because it's just it's a different it's a different type of like when you grow up in a single parent household, and you've got a mum that's a good mom not to throw shade to anyone <laughs> but the community you have in that household is untouchable and i've seen it with my other friends who grew up in single parent household of lit mums they're so close to their mums and mm-hmm. i've got friends who grew up with in dual parent households or other variations and they're not close to the mums at all but like my mum would like sit with us and watch high school musical with us pretend to sing it i know she didn't like it but she would just <laughs> sing it anyway Aww. and like it reminds me of like just a sick time of my life of just being carefree when you're in school, you don't have to pay no bills, you don't have no man problems. Pass <laughs> <laughs> the musical to the world. I'm literally going to check this out as soon as I get home now because I need some. You have to watch the film though, like one to four's a bit dead. Yeah, four is dead. Maybe just one and two. Three's all right. Mate, yeah. I have a drink. Okay. Like, don't watch it sober. I will. Not at this big old age. My sister is really big on musicals, so I'm sure she's seen it before. And I mean, she watches like sort. Glee and that kind of thing as well. Is yeah, it like it's more Glee? like Glee yeah. than a proper like Broadway musical. Okay, got you. But not as yeah, like... Yeah, it came out when I was a lot younger. Okay. 
Yeah. Like, See, all these disclaimers out, coming out now. No, like. no, because when number four came out, I think I was in first year of college on number oh, four. Oh, wow. So yeah. this is time ago. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Like, running down the hill. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to check it out with a strong drink in my hand. That's good cool. Times, yeah. Good times. What's yours, Lee? Mine is, again, sad. You know what? So much of my emotion is caught up in music. So but I think that's what music's about. So I yeah. think with music, it's like people... Whoever you are, you're going to experience sadness, anger, love, frustration, depression. And like there's someone else in the world who's made a song for you. Like how beautiful is that? So my song, and I feel like everyone knows that I have really diverse tastes in music, but I don't think anybody knows this because I only listen to this kind of music when I'm in the car by myself, is that I am a huge country fan. Really? Stop yeah. it right now. And like old school. Doors and turn the lights. Oh love. my God, I love that song. <laughs> so my song is actually a song by Reba McIntyre and it's called You Lie. And in the song she says, you lie, you don't want to hurt me. So you lie by a little time. And basically she says, I go along. What else can I do? Maybe it's wrong, but you know how much I love you. So you lie. And for me, A, you know, I just love country music, but that actually brought me through a really difficult relationship where I was being cheated on. And even though I don't justify it or excuse it, you know, it made me think about the other side of it and saying how difficult it is to be honest to somebody that you love when you know that you're going to hurt them. And just the dilemma that people are in and having had the shoe on the other foot where I have probably lied to someone because I didn't want to hurt them it kind of humanized the person for me and it didn't justify it, but it made the breakup more tolerable and it brought me through it. We'll talk about this in another episode, but yes. I've also been a cheater. So by I accident. do get Wait, that perspective. Oh, hey, yeah. We didn't though. see that coming, honey. <laughs> Shan's trying to save me. No, on purpose Not too. Not about me. Like, oh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> it was an accident. I didn't know. Uh, did you slip on that dick, honey? <laughs> oh, no, it was mine. I was not, we went too far. It was not that. We'll get a whole no- that's a whole nother episode, guys. A whole nother episode. But yeah, I just feel like it like music does for most people, it definitely gave me a perspective to kind of bring me through the heartbreak mm-hmm. and understand like, you know, the shoe has been on the other foot and I've definitely lied to avoid hurting people's feelings and again, how do we move past and grow past that? So that's my song. When we move into this next segment, which is our Dope Black Chat segment, essentially we go to our online communities, whether it's the WhatsApp group or Instagram, and we kind of pick up on what the heartbeats of the discussions are taking place within those spaces, whether it's pop culture or anything else. Um, And so this week, uh, we're talking about... Can I just say the Instagram is Dope Black Woman 1? Yes, it is. And in the bio, you can click the link tree to get access to the WhatsApp. Yeah, okay. and to listen to the podcast, actually. Yeah, make sure you do that part. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we are talking about new female MCs that are on the scene, particularly one who I'm actually not aware of, so I don't know how to pronounce her name. Forgive me if I get it wrong. Doja Cat. Yeah. Um, do her. you guys know who she is? We do. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do. You do know who she is. I don't. You got that juicy, juicy. Oh, that song's giant. Okay. Is she the one who sings about being a cow and goes moo during the song? (laughs) Yeah, so basically she started off. I think she's really funny. Like, I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't go as far as the fan, but I think she's funny because, like, she started off as a meme. She made some dumb song where she was dressed up as a cow and she was saying, Moo, I'm a cow, bitch. Like, literally, I remember the video. I've seen the meme. Yeah. I saw the meme. She did that video and then like used all the attention that was around her to actually start releasing decent music. And I think that's so sick. Like that's kind of the beauty of the internet and the beauty of social media now. She literally made a career for herself. So like she's doing bits like, yeah, carry on. But yeah, it made me think about women in and the role that they play within hip hop. So I guess historically, men have always used women as a tool to demonstrate their toxic masculinity, right? And so I'm thinking about the Nelly tip drill video where she he's sliding the credit card down the girl's ass. But then now we have like Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and 
Megan Thee Stallion, who are literally changing the nar- narrative and using their sexuality as something that's to be deemed as positive. So that falls into this idea of whether or not hip-hop can be feminist. There is this book that Joan Morgan wrote in 1999 called When Chicken Heads Come Home to Roost. Love that title. Um, and essentially, she coined the term hip-hop feminism, which simply put is the foundations of intersectional feminism into the context of hip-hop culture. So I don't know how you guys feel about this. Can hip-hop be feminist, especially considering that it's dominated by men? I don't know. What do you guys think? I think it's hard to answer because I feel like feminism of what it is and what it should stand for or doesn't stand for is really subjective. Mm. So even if you was going to look at someone like the Slum Flower, how she had like a really, really big feminist movement, I bought her book. I thought her book was lit. Other people bought her book and read it in a different view and didn't appreciate it in the same way I did. Um, since then, I guess her intentions appear to have changed. So, but then she's still getting, she's still being put on like other major platforms as this feminist, as this black feminist and this black woman. So some people are still looking at her and thinking of her as like this feminist queen or Wait, whatever. what was the book about? Sorry. Um, it was called What a Time to Be Alone. Well, for me, when I, looked, when I read it, I think it was about being comfortable in within yourself as opposed to like, I didn't apply it to just romantic relationships. It also touched on toxic people in your family and also looking at whether you're the toxic person in the relationships that you have. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really good book. But like with using her as like a light example is that she was seen as this really big prominent feminist person in the community. And then now a lot of people are like really anti her and don't like her. But there's still a lot of people who are still buying her books and still buy into her brand of this person that's meant to be, like, mm. queen of fem- feminism. So I feel like it's hard to then be, like... Because it's not, like, a, a blueprint to what feminism is, it's hard to then be, like, is this feminism or is it not? In the same way, like, of our conversation in our first episode about what it means to be black, it was hard to kind of pinpoint that. Yeah, as you said, it really boils down to how you interpret feminism, right? But... Uh, Liz, you were saying that people identify you as a feminist. I identify myself as a feminist. So, like, I'm very much like feminist. Feminism for me is very much at the core of a lot of my values. So, you have a lot of, um, as Rashan said, it's very subjective because it's only this kind of like belief. And with all beliefs, people will take it how they want to and shape and form it how they want to. But feminism as core is about equal opportunity socially, economically and politically, regardless of sexual gender. So I think it's unfortunate that this conversation about hip hop comes up time and time again, because people don't have this conversation about like punk music or Mm. metal music or rock music, which is very male heavy. Like you rarely see female rock groups. Like, you know, you see like the Killers or the Arctic Monkeys headlining Reading and Glastonbury and leads like when's there been a female example like obviously there have been but not to the same extent or the same level and people aren't having these conversations in that it always seems to be like I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist but like it does you know a lot of it does attach to like black things yeah of course um and I think that yeah a lot of songs and a lot of lyrics or content or imagery in hip-hop is problematic and sexist and derogatory. But a lot of it is fun and a lot of it is like, don't take it too literal. Like a lot of it is like, you know, I can be in a club and I can enjoy shaking my ass, but that doesn't mean like, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it it doesn't mean that I'm not. Mm. Like it's like you were saying earlier to you, a wine is a wine. Yeah. And that's like, do you know what I mean? So like sometimes I feel like people want to make it deeper than what it is. Mm. Um. Like, obviously, you have prominent female rappers, MCs, and hip-hop artists who will rap about men the same way that men rap about women. Women. Mm. So I think a lot of it's subjective. A lot of it is, like, people love to just talk about sex in general. Like, a lot of the time, people love to talk about sex and being sexy and, like, all those kind of things. Um, For me, can feminists... Sorry, can hip-hop be feminist? I think it doesn't have to be. It can just be. Right. You know what I mean? It's like not I everything... think it restricts it too much as well. Yeah, not everything gonna... has to be political. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes about this this might seem like I'm going off topic, but let me land. But it kind <laughs> of links to like that whole the drill music thing and whether or not drill music should be banned and things like that. 
and then the argument that it's like a freedom of speech, mm. it kind of links to that. So if we're like, um, hip hop, if we think or don't think that hip hop needs to be seen as feminist, then it kind of restricts the moves that's being put out and the artist's control, the artist's creative control. Yeah, I think it's a matter of, as I said, authenticity, right? So there are going to be people who are not feminists that make rap music. And I also think it's interesting just to t- touch on what you said, Livs, is that when we compare white pop female counterparts who are dressing equally as sexy nobody cusses j-lo for being overly sexualized or taylor swift because she's you know because she wears the same bodysuits that beyonce wears mm. or the same bodysuits that cardi well, b might wear body. And, I'm sure. <laughs> and that's what it is right is that there is this historically if we go back to just like colonialism slavery etc and just throughout the period black female bodies are constantly villainized as being overtly sexual or your bum's too big or your breasts are spilling out because they're, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so it's always being contrasted against like white, the white uh, body, which is seen as the acceptable body to have. And Nikki actually talks about this in her, she has a documentary on BET where she's like, everything that I do is juxtaposed against a white female pop artist. And because I have the body that I do, or I do it with a certain level of urgency, or I take control over my situation, I'm either identified as a bitch or as a slut or as a whore when people are doing the same thing and they're not necessarily being held accountable in the same way. But even I struggle with that, for instance. So for me, going back to Cardi B, when I first came out, I was just like, yeah, you know, she's just owning her body. But then sometimes I'm like, damn B, like your tits are just there. Your nipples about to show. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess it's my own nature, how comfortable I am with my own sexuality. But is there a line between between feminism and sexuality? Like, can you be overtly sexual or too sexual and still be a feminist? I think it's hard because like, with like your com- how comfortable you feel about how she dressed, I think a lot of that is influenced by the conservativeness that you was brought up in. Hundred percent. So like, I don't really wear makeup, and I've got friends who heavily wear makeup, but like most people in my family have natural hair and don't wear makeup. So the women that I've grown up identifying as beautiful or that I've looked at as like people that are like me, that's how they are. So yeah. that's how I am. So when I have friends, I used to find it really annoying when I'd go out with my friends and be putting on makeup, going to the, the club and they go go to the toilet to top up this, top up that. I'm like, is it every day? Like, just just chill. And I used to think they were insecure, but they're not insecure. It's, just, it's not down to insecurity. They just, they're in a, they're in a, like a repeat script of growing up where they're looking at women who are all like that. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it so does. So I think when it comes to like how comfortable we feel with seeing them like that or not, for a lot of girls who wear like mesh tops with their titties all out, free the nipple gang, all of them. <laughs> if they see um, Cardi B or anybody doing something that replicates what they're doing, to them it's going to be fine. But if you are someone who makes sure that you haven't always got everything out and open on the spill, then when you look at those sort of people, you are going to find it a bit uncomfortable because it doesn't, it doesn't align with your norm. Yeah. But I guess even for me, moving past Cardi B, who obviously I have this like personal conflicted (laughs) relationship with. (laughs) But when I look at Nicki and when I look at other female artists, I mean, I think for me, Lauren Hill is like the epitome of the black female artist, right? She's like the first black female artist that I fell in love with. She sings a range of like going back to the Fuji, straight back to the Unplugged album. She's one of the few artists that speaks uh, on a few female artists that doesn't necessarily use her sexuality in the way that most others do, but still is seen as a very attractive woman. Mm. But then I moved to Cardi, or not Cardi, but Nikki, and I value her place as well in the sense of it being a space where women can feel comfortable and it's okay to be a boss and to be sexy at the same time. So for me, I think feminism doesn't, you can be feminist and still be overtly sexual. Like I don't think there's some, and in fact, I would say that most black feminists specifically, whether we're talking about Bell Hooks or Alice Walker or Audre Lorde, all speak to the fact of embracing sexuality and love as part of your feminine femininity Mm -hmm. and that that's a hugely important part whether you're lesbian or gay or trans or whether you're heterosexual it all is very much tied up into your position as a feminist and actually if you look at alice walker's definition of feminism it's 
one of the first things that she talks about is your capacity as a woman to love and what that means in terms of not just your emotional expression, but also your physical expression, particularly in terms of how you express yourself sexually. So yeah, for me, I think you can be a feminist and still be sexual as well. And I'm guessing you guys are kind of the same, like it's an individual thing. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that um, for me, feminism is such a simple concept and people have made it really complicated and really you know, taken out of context. And I think that is, you know, partly because it has the word feminine in it and people get scared by that and think it's, um, you know, this man-hating network when it's not. It's just about equality and Mm. about respect regardless of who you are. So if you look at that as your starting point, as your base, then whether you want to rap about your pussy or whether you want to rap about the president, doesn't really matter. Do you know what I mean? And you like should a banger is a banger. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be able to rap about both. Like Cardi mm. makes political statements all the time. The fact that she used to be a dancer means that she's not allowed to make political statements. I remember she made the statement about Trump and people were like, well, who the fuck are you? You're just a dancer turned rapper. Mm. And it's like, no, she has just as much right. And just because she chooses to dress in a certain way, it doesn't make her incapable of being intellectually informed about a topic that is important to every single person on the face of the planet. So, yeah, I guess we all agree that feminists can be hip-hop. And as long as we're authentic about it, it can be done. So thanks so much, guys, for listening again. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. We love reading the reviews, so please keep them coming. We'll definitely share a link to the Dope Black playlist in the episode description. So please send us in your favorite tracks for us to add to the playlist. On Twitter, Instagram, we are Dope Black Woman 1. And on Facebook, we are just Dope Black Woman. So we'll be back next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically black. We out. Stay black. Blacky black. <laughs> All the way black. Black classic. <laughs>